On this episode of Emerge, I'm speaking with Jake Vartanian. Jake is the founder of Native, a platform for communities to create their own economic architecture using cryptocurrency. This is a project like DAOstack, Holochain, or Colony that is exploring the transition into an anti-rivalrous future, the future that Jordan Greenhall and I spoke about in the most recent episode of Emerge. And I highly recommend listening to that conversation first, as it will help you understand the significance of what Native is offering. And uh, what's, what's really interesting is that unlike many other projects in this space, Native is now live. They have their alpha version out that you can play with, that you can poke around in, you know, uh, it's out there. And so uh, if you want to play with it, you can go to nativeproject.one and I will link to that uh, in the show notes. Uh, so happy exploring and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Emerge. This time on the show, I'm pleased to welcome Jake Vartanian, who is the creator of a brand new project that just launched uh, this last week called Native. And Native is something that the world has not really seen before, but it's something you know that, that people like Jordan Greenhall, the conversation we had earlier in this week, are kind of seeing coming down the pipe. And, and Native is, is one of the first that I've really seen that's being released into the wild. And it's an example of a platform that allows communities to create their own economic structures using the affordances of cryptocurrencies. And so this kind of is a uh, an example of a project that is helping us uh, as a human experiment sort of transition at least a little bit more into this idea of an anti-rivalrous uh, world or a world of win-win propositions instead of win-lose propositions. And it's just a, a, a fascinating case of this theme that we've been exploring on this show of decentralized autonomous organizations and you know novel forms of human coordination that are sort of coming out of the woodwork, emerging uh, in a post-blockchain world. And so, Jake, I'm really excited to have you on the show to talk about the work you're doing. Hey, well, thank you so much for having me and for that awesome introduction. Uh, it's, it's actually funny because I was uh, I was this weekend, actually, I was, we had Native sponsoring an event uh, that was more just kind of like local community based, I'll say, in a, in, a, in a town. It was just kind of like a community get together with some, some music. And, you know, we had a booth and we had, uh, you know, some of our materials up. And I was just thinking as you, as you were giving that description, uh, the people that I was talking to at that event, if, if I were to say what you just said to them, it would have been like, Okay, I have no idea what you just said, and yeah, yeah, and and it's so interesting to really see, like you know, because I'm so immersed in this world as as it seems you are as well, and kind of talking about these crypto blockchain um, uh, new models for economies, how communities can have economies, et cetera, et cetera. That I, I, 
I forget that there's like a whole world out there who's never even, you know, touched a Bitcoin. Some people don't even have Facebook, barely use the internet. And mm. figuring out how to explain these types of things to those people who frankly are the, you know, wider, um, the, the wider, the people that are the most important ultimately, I guess I'll say. Uh, there's like a gap. And working to fill that is, you know, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Nate is kind of like one of the first projects that's kind of trying to fill fill this um, this space. And we so we have the the task in front of us to really be able to, um, you know, share this message in a way that a wide audience can understand. And it is hard. Yeah, well, and I noticed. So I, I was at the event in New York City at at the assemblage and. You know, I, I do swim in these waters, as you can tell by the way I'm able to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, but the moment I actually saw the app in motion, you know, like, oh, here's the tab for tasks. Here's where you create projects. Here's where you vote. It kind of crystallized in a way that I don't know if we'll ever be able to figure out ways to really explain it from an abstract perspective. But that's what the cool thing about what you've already accomplished is, is that you don't, in a sense, you know, it's helpful to have these explanations, but you can just give them the thing now. And so, I, I mean, I, I, I guess maybe we can start there. So you've created this um, platform, this platform from communities, and maybe you can share like, what have you learned about explaining this kind of thing to people who are unfamiliar? And then what has been the response so far um, as people have been exposed to the the alpha version, yeah. So let's see. Um, in in relation to let's I'll start off with kind of the first part. You know, we've we've released this this product. Uh, I, I guess I'll have to be. Um, you know, I'll say we've we've released like the the bare bones skeleton of of this product, and we've you know innate, we've opened it up to a set of our first six test communities. They have the they have their own currency deployed now. They have uh, the ability to do sentiment analysis, kind of from their uh, from their members through voting, um, and uh, through as the the membership starts to ramp up over the course of the next couple of weeks, we'll you know move into the projects and the tasks once these community funds have really started to um, start to get built. Uh, and as we start to receive feedback, really start to understand what is it that these communities need. Uh, communities need beyond the features that we've, you know, already deployed. Um, and, you know, it's 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 interesting to try to find that balance um, between what should we push to them versus what should they kind of tell us what they need and, and add those features in. Um, and I think it's a, an interesting thing about native is that uh, soon we'll actually release the the native community itself, which will kind of be the the informer of those features from the more um from the more like general members rather than from anybody who's working on the product um so then i guess moving moving into the the next piece of um you know kind of what has the what has the alpha been so far uh it kind of uh, uh one it, it it becomes very clear very quickly uh, that crypto is still in its very early stages. Um, you know, mm. telling people to download MetaMask, telling which you know is kind of the uh, uh, the the authorization mechanism and wallet mechanism to interact with the application. Telling people to set up a Coinbase account, which you know requires you to like 
hold your picture up to to a next to your mm-hmm. face and like take a picture and all this kind of stuff uh you know you could end up taking like two days three days before you can even buy the ether to use the application at all and you know with the way people's uh, uh, attention spans are lately you know you might only have one shot to really get them uh uh online and, and using the application and, and feel like they're, they're doing it without them getting frustrated or confused or just move on to something else. Um, so, you know, we're really now rapidly kind of adding all the documentation, taking in the feedback and trying to make the process as simple as it, is, as it, as it possibly can be given the current sort of limitations of the technology itself. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you're, you, y'all are really one of the first movers in this space. Like I've played around with, you know, non-release betas of a couple other tools, but you're open, you're opening it up to the world now. And, and, you know, it, it, I think anybody who's played in the crypto space will admit that the user experience just isn't quite there yet. You know, it's not quite there yet. And so, you know, I look at something like native and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's extremely interesting and provocative. Um, like I found my mind kind of going to like, oh, what could I create on this platform, right? Because platforms sort of enable new things to take shape. And yet it's also like more indicative of like where things are going than it is uh, uh, the, the thing that's going to quickly change the world as it currently stands. And so I, I appreciate you kind of naming that and not not pretending as if it's, you know, somewhere where it's not. Um, as, as is often the case in the crypto world, I think, you know, there's a lot of hype. Yeah. Um, Yeah, We can take things in our mind pretty, pretty far out, but the, uh, once we get to the, to the ground level, doing pretty basic things is still pretty complicated. Uh, and you know, how do we move cautiously? How do we not build a community? You know, it's interesting because we want to build communities, but we're like, whoa, how do we build these communities kind of slow? Um, because we, you know, we don't really, we, we're, we can't really be prepared for, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of people to be actively using these things right now. Right, right. So maybe maybe we can back up a little bit and, and kind of share more about um, what, what, what the idea behind Native in particular is, right? It, maybe, it, maybe it exists within this broader space that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, but it's kind of approaching these questions in a really unique way way. And so, uh, what was the, what, what's the kind of, uh, what's your, what's your typical way that you explain what native is, what it, um, can afford, uh, what, what it can create the, the opportunity for? Yeah. So, uh, um, I guess I'll kind of frame this to someone who's, who, to, who's not necessarily like in, in the crypto space and also someone who has somewhat of a, of an understanding of, um, the most, uh, the primary kind of social media sort of tools today and general sense of, of, Mm -hmm. of how to operate online. Uh, it first, the best way I think to, to, to frame it is, uh, who, you know, who can start a native community and why would you want to, uh, who can start one? Anybody who has a group on Facebook, uh, about any sort of topic could technically start a community on, on native. Uh, as long as you have um, an idea, a, a, a topic, um, or a shared maybe geographic location, 
uh, or a series of projects that want to be built, um, you know, maybe even over time, uh, an investment group of, of people who all want to see the same projects, uh, any sort of thing that can have a Facebook page can have a community on native. Now, you know, I, I don't want to go too far into the, like, what are the, the problems and the challenges today with Facebook? And, you know, I, I think that's kind of been, been told a, a lot around how Facebook is kind of, you know, the, the, um, they're the ones who receive a lot of the value from these from these communities that are created by kind of mm. harvesting the data, et cetera. Um, so with you know with native, it's kind of like not only are you able to kind of create this place for people to organize and um, figure out what the what the group should be doing, uh, but you can get way more granular uh, by actually have, being able to do this more direct sentiment analysis from people who have uh, actually bought into the, the currency itself, uh, the ability for people to decide which projects should be funded and actually send through smart contracts uh, the funds if the community votes on the project to, uh, uh, to if, they, if they vote that they want to do it, to be able to actually send the funds to the people who's going to execute it, as well as um, paid work items for community members. Uh, so it's truly a... Um, an integrated, comprehensive experience in community uh, participation, where any member who joins can actually, you know, not can not only participate and be interested in the community, but can um, realize the value that they have contributed to that community uh, in a form that is liquid and transferable at any time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so this question of value, I think, is a really interesting subject that maybe we can dive into a little bit together just to kind of flesh out some of what you just said. And 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 um and, and then we can go back and talk more about the specific kind of uh what is it? Uh sorts of architectures that you can apply to communities and how how we can create economic systems that can help. Uh, cultivate that value. But so like, you know, um, I think one of the things I really appreciate about cryptocurrency is the way at which it forces people who take time to look at it closely. It forces them to kind of question this idea of value and currency and like, why does money work the way it does? And, you know, is it does it have to work this way? And so what what's the kind of like native approach to value, how do you understand what value is, and how we can create value? Yes, yeah, so it's a it's a really it's a really loaded question. The um, you know, and and you, I think you made a really good point that uh, you know, basically for the past, I, I don't even know how to put a time frame on it. I'll say, I'll, let's just say, uh, you know, since since the dollar was was formed, uh, but even way before that too. People just kind of are born into a kind of cultural situation where everybody accepts that the uh, the type of, of money that is or currency, I'll say, that is in circulation at that time uh, is, quote unquote, the form of currency and the thing that is just used um, without really taking into consideration like, what what are the. The, the variables that actually make this this valuable, you know, and when we start to, to break that down, like, you know, what makes the U.S. dollar valuable? You know, on one sense, you have um, the how thriving is the economy, uh, how powerful is is the military, 
Um, how much do people, uh, um, how much, how much are people spending at any given time? How, kind of, how much velocity is kind of moving through that eco, that economy at, at any time? Um, you know, and then there's, there's also taking into consideration how is the monetary policy actually formed? Uh, and you know, what is the, uh, the the creator and distributors kind of rule set around how much can be created at any given time. Uh, you know, I think that relates more closely to like scarcity. Um, is the is the money scarce or can it be printed kind of at will at any time? And I think that's kind of one of the pain points that people are starting to actually see with with some of these uh, government-backed currencies today where there really aren't controls that are outside of the, the government's con- uh, control that, uh, that limits them from creating these potentially um, hyper-inflation sort of scenarios, um, especially ones that were, you know, I think Venezuela right now is a great example of something like that where your 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 money can actually be worth uh you know 25 50% less basically overnight um and how how does that work you know you have somebody who has just put 10 hours of hard labor into something uh they've taken their time and they've converted it into this form that they've known to be as i mentioned the form of currency and now you know they earned say like you know, 20 bucks. And now the next day their 20 bucks is now worth 15 bucks and they haven't even done anything. So, you know, how is that fair to the person at the local level? Um, and so when we kind of step back from that and, you know, Bitcoin, uh, other types of Ethereum, other types of these kind of cryptocurrencies come out, well, frankly, any cryptocurrency, because you can kind of just spin up your, your own with your own parameters, uh, at, at will. Uh, and, the the because the the infrastructure is is basically a code base uh all of the variables are predetermined around how, what is the supply of this currency going to be what are the mechanics for inflation and you know any kind of right. person in the crypto space who's looking into potentially purchasing a, a, a token or you know an altcoin or a bitcoin is looking at that what is the total supply that's like the first thing um so once you start to kind of see, all right, well, here, here's the supply, here's how many people are using it, then the next kind of aspect of value is like, what can I do with it? And can I convert it into other forms? You know, if, if uh, you, you might have a thriving sort of community uh, that's using the currency, but if nobody outside of that community is going to accept it or, or how valuable actually is it? Um, so, you know, I, I guess, uh, so, you know, how much is there? Is the the policy of creation and maintenance solid? Uh, is is the uh, is the usability there? Um, and then you know, once we kind of dive into the native side of things and how how we see see things going, is you really get into like what is the the emotional sort of tie to that money? You know, mm-hmm. because it's connected to communities, it's like. I'm only choosing to acquire and use forms of money that are related to my interests and desires, um, which kind of, uh, um, which feels in, in my mind, at least like more, more, I, I want to do it. You know, I want to transact with you in, in the form of currency that means something to me. 
um, because you know currency and value exchange is is, pure, is purely a it's a language. It's um it's a way that we're able to communicate between each other, um, and the form of that tell, tells a story in itself. Um, mm. So if people are kind of more emotionally connected to the I'll say like the mission or the purpose behind the money, it kind of creates this whole new frame of, of what is the actual value and where does that value, uh, uh, how is that value built? Uh, you know, there's a really good, um, book called identity is the new money. Um, and I believe the author's name is David Birch. Um, yeah, David Birch. And, um, his whole thing is like very simplified. I'll say, uh, um, there is no distinction between the people and the money in its, in its rawest form money is purely the, or value is purely the energy that people are uh, uh, allocating into any one form at one time. And so when you have these, like these abilities to create, to create currencies at, at, at will, what actually matters is how much energy are people uh, uh, allocating into this form? So the people are directly the, the money itself. Um, and I found that to be a very sort of unique perspective on how, how money acquires value over time. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate this idea of, I think, you, like as money or currency as a kind of communicative language. Um, and, you know, I think we said a little bit about what, like, what the language of the U.S. dollar tends to carry with it, or something, or what it communicates, and I, I guess, in terms of native, if we carry this metaphor forward, like what does it, what kind of communication does the native platform allow or afford communities that make use of it? Um, um, yeah, so I would say, um, you know the. The, the primary one for for me is uh, the native platform allows community to realize their inherent value. Now, um, I mean, no, what, what does that mean exactly? It, it kind of means that, uh, to me, communities uh, already have a bunch of value. Um, you know, the bigger the community, the more active participants, uh, the more value that that, that community has. But like the um, like the young man in Indonesia who couldn't get eighty dollars, you know, I I would I think I think ho- hopefully we can we can both agree that a human life uh, has some inherent value and should be able to um, be utilized in a certain way. Uh, in the same way, communities, you know, in in some cases, communities of tens of thousands of people have no way to actually represent and. Um, uh, um, I'll say like, I don't, I don't almost, I also want to say like objectify into their token or currency, the value that's already there, uh, place it into, place it into a form that can be that language where it's like, Hey, our, our community's, uh, quote unquote market cap is, you know, 
$50,000 because we have, you know, 500 members who are all active. They're all voting on stuff, working towards projects that are being executed for the betterment of our community. Um, you know, over time, as we can see all the, the success of the community, the value of that community, uh, the realizable value of that community should, should grow over time in relation to the successes that that is being had, that is being had, um, which I think kind of, dives us back into this sort of nature of, of, of anti of, I don't want to necessarily say anti rivalries, but, uh, uh, systems that are capitalist systems that are purely, um, where value is purely determined through a profit motive. Uh, uh you know, what is the bottom line? Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've said, uh, uh, I said this kind of, after I said it the first time, I was like, wow, that's a good quote. Uh, uh, it's like, you know, maybe the bottom line isn't really the bottom line. And hmm. it's, uh, you know, to me, it, it's so true because, you know, you have all these people who don't necessarily, you know, let's take, a, you know, one of our example uh, community, one of our pilot communities, um, the Earth Guardians. Now they have, you know, uh, uh, thousands of youth around the world who are all interested in, uh, you know, uh, fighting back against, against climate change. And, you know, thousands of people aggregating around that one idea are, is, is hugely valuable, but they're just not able to, um, to in today's economy really express that value because there, there's no profit motive. There's no way to say, Hey, we're a community of 10,000 people, uh, invest in us beyond, a, uh, uh, beyond a donation which, you know, is, is a different kind of transaction. Uh, you know, I think the, there, there doesn't need to be as much distinction between, uh, um, you know, participation, investing, donation. Uh, I think they can all kind of merge into one. Cool. Yeah. And so that, that's really an interesting way of putting it. Could you, can you draw out the distinction perhaps a little bit between donations and this kind of staking a community or investing in a community through native? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so when you, when one, when, when one gives a, a donation to a group, I think, you know, I think we've all seen the, the commercials on, on TV with the, with the sad dogs or, um, you know, these kinds of things. And, um, the whole thing is on a monthly basis, you give a donation of X amount of money. Uh, and in, in return, you might get like a sticker or a card or something that says, Hey, you, you mm -hmm. supported us. And, and, you know, you can, you can write that off as a donation on your, uh, on your tax, on your tax returns. Um, but, the kind of uh, uh, the expectation of a donation is to not receive anything back. Um, hmm. And, you know, the, and so the only way that through one of these do donation models, uh, some, someone or some group is able to sustain that organization um, is to continuously be, be donating um, value on a monthly or annual or whatever basis. Um, you know, and if you proposed that to a, a businessman and you said, Hey, uh, will you just keep giving us money, uh, perpetually so we can operate? Uh, we're not going to be able to do anything and give you any returns, but like, will you just keep giving us money? Is that okay? 
people, you know, it's like, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? Um, so, so, you know, where, why, why can businesses sustain themselves, but not, uh, uh, these foundations that just require constant inflow? And, you know, again, it kind of comes back to the structure of the economic systems that are in place today, where, you know, we have all these, these distinctions that are basically just, just words, uh, around what someone can and cannot be at any given time. But when you kind of move it into a community frame and you're like, Hey, well, if I put money into this community and I receive the local token for that community, which kind of represents the value of my underlying deposit, plus the potential energy, I'll say, that has moved into that community's uh, fund for them or resource pool, we'll say, um, then it really changes the dynamic of, uh, of the whole thing and says, and we say, okay, well, maybe if the community takes some of this money and uses it in a way that um, is that is kind of more sustainable, um, you know, maybe uh, you, you know the classic example of, of teaching a man to fish. You know, what if the community goes out and buys a bunch of fishing poles, and all of their members go out fishing one day, and they get a bunch of extra fish and and enough fish to eat. Now maybe they might be able to sell some of that extra fish so they can keep getting the the lures and the bait and the all the stuff that they need to continue fishing over time. Um, so not only can they eat, but they can also sustain and grow versus, hey, will you keep giving us bait and we'll hopefully get enough to eat? And that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so... The other, and also like having worked in a in, in number of nonprofits, um, you know, there's a kind of like responsibility that comes with donations that falls solely on the shoulders of you know the the people who run the nonprofit in this traditional kind of organizational structure. But what's what I imagine with Native just kind of playing with this idea is that instead you're you're giving the money to a community which isn't really locatable in just like a list of staff members, but is instead made up of you if you stake in it. And so then you can participate. You're kind of called forth to then participate and, you know, um, help help it help the community coordinate in ways that add additional value, which is really, uh, really fucking cool. <laughs> I mean, I gotta <laughs> say, it's like super, super rad that you're kind of, you know, fiddling in the direction of distributing that participatory influence and power. And, you know, in what you were saying, you're also doing a lot of work to sort of align incentives, right? There, even, even when you're donating to an organization, there's a weird kind of way in which incentives are out of alignment. And this goes some distance to resolving that lack of alignment. Yeah, T- totally. At, at, you know, at, at both a, you know, and this kind of, again, moves us more into this, uh, uh, you know, these sort of economic dynamics, I'll say, um, you know, one, how can we be sure that everyone in the organization or community is um, incentivized to to work together, which is kind of already the way it is with most companies. You know, everybody in the company wants the company to do well, uh, at least hopefully. Um, and then, but uh, also, how can communities be incentivized to uh, uh, collaborate with each other more effectively? 
Um, and, you know, even if it seems like there is some sort of um, perhaps conflict of interest between the communities, um, you know, how can we make it so if one community, you know, is successful at something, the other community who what what we maybe used to call fail uh, is still also able to benefit from the community that tried and succeeded uh, uh, from their success without taking away from the success of the community that succeeded. Um, you know, I think the, the, the kind of the great, the, 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 cl- the clarification point on that is like, you know, anytime we have, uh, uh, someone coming up with, with an idea, there's probably a lot of other people who are also coming up with that idea. And it's not, in my mind, at least, it's not necessarily about uh, the person who or the group that gets it right, but it is about the fact that there is this like collective uh, uh, of groups who are all working towards the common goal, and that uh, uh, cumulative energy between them is, uh, you know, a kind of a, a more abstract level. What allows for the one group that does make it or that does get it right first to be able to get it right first. Mm-hmm. And, and how is that kind of mutual uh, leveling up or, or flourishing uh, facilitated by the native platform? So the, um, this kind of moves us into the, the, the actual token model uh, for, for the native token itself. So I had mentioned that uh, every community on native has its own, has its own local currency or local token, I'll say. Um, but what is the what is the glue that sort of holds them all together? Um, and the way that we structure native is, you know, our base token, our our native token, um, is partially is held by every single community on native. So in a way, um, our native token is like the uh, the the collective network value of the sum of all the communities. So as long as um, more communities are being added, the communities are growing, uh, more native tokens are being uh, generated and uh, allocated into communities. Um, and as well as the, um, you know, the value of the network and therefore the price of the token increases alongside of that. So one community succeeds, one community adds a bunch of members, more native tokens are generated, which goes into that community. Um, and that, uh, has, that has an impact on the, the other communities because they're also holding their, uh, a portion of native tokens in their, um, basically in their reserve, which is the, um, kind of convertibility and pricing mechanism uh, that allows for the, for the easy, um, yeah, for the easy pricing and convertibility between all the tokens. Um, nice. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just, I mean, I'm just gonna, you know, uh, say again, like this is a great, another level at which incentives are then aligned. And uh, again, pointing to this kind of hallmark of these anti-rival risk systems or these win-win dynamics. So it's just really uh, elegant and and cool that the, the way that you've designed this kind of, uh, you know, uh, such that if uh, 
flourishing is happening somewhere in the system, it kind of spills out into the system as a whole. Um, you know, it's really, yeah. And I have to say too, it's like who, you know, there's going to be so many, because these sort of systems haven't really been, uh, uh, deployed at, at, at scale. Um, you know, it's like, what, um, you know, what are the other things that are going to come up uh, that we don't even know about yet that are going to cause sort of um, challenges in this model? And, um, you know, how how is there a new way for communities to, you know, game each other or something like that? Uh, and, you know, we, we, we've mapped out what we can for this first version, but... Uh, um, now it is really up to these kind of test communities to to start operating um and to to really just experiment and see you know what works what doesn't where have we what did we kind of miss in that we couldn't have seen as we were building out this these kind of initial versions and how can we kind of integrate our findings as quickly as possible um and uh, uh, ensure that we kind of stay true to that vision over time um, and create a, uh, yeah. uh, an economic system that is truly anti-rivalrous. Yeah, and I mean, it's well said, you know, and I think it's important to say that, that, that that's, you know, you are walking into uncharted territory, at least as far as we know, in terms of the human species, like this kind of invocation out of nothing of economic systems with completely different dynamics in play. Like it's, it's, you're, you're kind of, uh, exposing the things that we don't know by acting. And that is a very like risky and interesting and, and cool place to be in. And I think one thing that bears saying is that as somebody who's looking on to your project, um, you know, I see that you have a very, um, uh, what is it? You have, you have a sense of like, these are the types of communities, ethically speaking, that we want to have participating in the ecosystem. Like you're kind of already seeding it with this first alpha crop, you know, and, and it's going to be a while until you can just kind of waltz in and start your own community, right? There's some kind of like check and assessment and all that. But like the earth guardians, for instance, is one of the coolest youth activist organizations that I know of. And it's like, that sends a very strong signal about the types of communities that you are wanting to um, invite into this kind of, you know, win-win, anti-rival risk, new paradigm uh, economic system, which, you know, it, it is itself probably a way to resist p- the kind of gaming of the system that might be possible if we had bad actors. But um, maybe you, maybe you can speak a little bit about like, you know, what are these communities that you're seeing and what, 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 what's the the thread that weaves them together for you? And and how do you think about that kind of thing? Yeah. You know, um, so uh, native is intentionally designed to be extremely flexible in the types of communities that it can, um, bring on uh you know one of my kind of main things is like native is about freedom of expression native is about people doing generally what it is that they want to see uh uh, happen in in the world and be able to build communities around that and you know that that in some cases is a 
it's a, in some ways is a dangerous proposition, but in other ways it is a very beautiful proposition. You know, all of these kind of tools that we make are, are, are purely tools that have um, two sides of the coin, I'll say. Um, so while native does have this potential to have so many different types of, of use cases around so many different, uh, uh, areas of, of, of things in general, um, we want to kind of present a frame that's like, um, you know, at, at first very, very impact oriented, you know, who are the people who are creating, you know, what, what I hope that most people can agree uh, is actually positive change in the world. You know, that is, um, mm-hmm. you know, and although that it might not stay that way for that long, uh, you know, we'll probably start to see that things that are much more finance oriented, we definitely will see much more finance oriented, much larger uh, organizations, uh, even cor- corporate uh, communities that, that purely have profit motive. Um, the, you know, it, I, I, I'm a huge kind of believer that like people when presented with nothing or like with a, with a very large range of options, um, you know, sometimes can get confused. So we wanted to put a, a, a subset of communities that can be used for quote unquote, that will be used for quote unquote, Good. Yeah, well, you, you did a you did a good job of of picking them. I mean, speaking as somebody who's kind of in this space, it's it's uh, it sends a strong message. And and um, maybe you could share a bit about um, how some of these early communities are imagining the way that they'll make use of the native platform. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, let's see. Let's start with. Um, one of our pilot communities is, uh, is called Dolo or a decentralized open learning organization. And, um, their mission is to make learning, uh, more desirable. I'll say, um, you know, I think a lot of these structures, education structures that are in place today are, um, very antiquated. And, you know, you think about just, the process and how many years it takes to get something like a textbook from somebody's mind into the hands of children. Um, you know, we're talking about a many year process and, you know, with the way things uh, are, are growing and expanding today so quickly, you know, you, you especially you look at something like the blockchain space where everything's totally different in, in six months. Uh, you, you can't take the time to like write a textbook and then wait five years to go through some sort of approval process and, um, you know, ensure that the content is good. And by the time the kids get their hands on it, it's, it's the material is no longer even valid. Um, so, so Dolo is really working to build a, you know, what I've been calling, uh, uh, like a live curriculum or, um, a living curriculum, one where you have mm. both members and educators, uh, in the community and the members are kind of voting on what are the sort of courses that they want to see made. Um, and then determining whether there is an educator in their network already who can create a course, uh, and even pay them to do so. Uh, or if not, if the community funds are there, if there's enough members, go find somebody who who can build that course and even and pay them 
to, to do so. So then you're actually building um, educational materials that are in line with the desired um, what the people with, with, with what the people want to learn. Um, and, you know, speaking from from my own personal experience of school, uh, uh, I would think that would be a much more um, useful model. You know, one that can be experimented, yeah. uh, uh, where you can have the experience of what you're learning because it's directly related to what hopefully you're doing in daily in daily life. You know, if I'm interested in uh, in crypto, I don't want to be learning about you know, 18th century literature. Uh, but in, in some models, that is what you have to do. You have to be quote unquote balanced and get like a full spectrum. But if I don't care, why should I be forced? In, in the example that you're kind of sharing, right. So that you can in native set up a task that there's a kind of bounty for that might be say like, uh, do this lesson on the blockchain or on giraffes or whatever it is it's arbitrary mm-hmm. you create a task they do the task and they get the currency um and and tasks are arbitrary so you could even have it there be a bounty for a task to find the person who's going to create or recruit the person who's going to create the specific lesson yeah right a- a- absolutely um and you know it kind of gets into uh you know is native providing the whole infrastructure for this uh you know to like an entire school um and the answer, the answer right now is is no to that. You know, these some of the people who are running the Dolo community are uh, uh, are actually developers, and so they will be building out a lot of the education infrastructure uh, components. But native takes on a lot of the governance functions, and that's another sort of thing that right. we have to work work uh, uh, work with these communities on, because um, you know. What it what does it make sense for native to provide, and what is too niche of a thing for us to spend time and energy that might only be applicable to a specific subset of communities? But how can we also, if that is not in our sort of desired roadmap, how can we ensure that uh, the community has the tools to get the you know whether it is development work, whether it is branding work, whether it is business planning? How can they still get that done, even if we're not going to be able to build it for them. Right. And, and I imagine the roadmap, I think the Earth Guardians mentioned this at the New York event, that there is going to be some kind of API, right? So people can develop uh, kind of their own bespoke way of instantiating their economic governance and architecture provided by Native. Totally. Uh, and, I, you know, there's a lot of really kind of cool use cases that come up. Like once, you know, once you can do something simple like a, like a, a Web3 authentication or, or a, you know, an, an Ethereum-based wallet authentication to see if someone is a member of a community or to see if uh, uh, someone holds a certain number of a community's tokens, the, the possibilities around that are kind of are, are, are massive. You know, with Earth Guardians, we were talking about, um, you know, working with them to uh, uh, develop their application with a sort of with this sort of Web three check, and it, it gets into a, a situation where you know not everybody's going to have a Web three wallet at first, so they might just have a traditional login. So let's say that you log into the Earth Guardians application with the traditional Facebook login or username and password, um, and you can do a lot of the stuff in that that you would 
uh, do with that you would do uh, with the application just by using this regular login. Um, so, um, but what we can also add is, let's say, a, a work item at this sort of Facebook login level. That's like, hey, if you want to take the next step here, uh, then you should really think about joining the native community uh, as well, because that opens the door to a new sort of um, whatever you want, really, a new sort of content base, for example, or pulling in other work items where you can earn direct value. So it's kind of like a, a level one and a level two sort of engagement where the onboarding process into crypto becomes gamified. Uh, and if somebody truly mm -hmm. is interested in the community, then they're more willing to take the time to, to join that community because it's a deeper uh, uh, level of engagement for them uh, um, with something that's truly meaningful. When, you know, for me, somebody's like new form of money. I'm like, wow, cool. Let's try that. But that doesn't, get some people's minds going, but what communities they're a part of, and I can participate deeper in this community by doing this, you know, that's a different type of, of inspiration to onboard into crypto. Totally. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, these user experience problems are a lot of money is being poured into trying to solve them. And, and presumably at some point they will be solved to a satisfactory degree or the value of participation in these networks will become, like you're saying, such that you overcome whatever barriers there are in terms of the complexity or user experience. And uh, this thing that we're on, it very much feels like in this conversation with you, what, what, what I'm struck by is how we're very much like on the very frothy emergent edge of a real transition in possibility in terms of the way that we construct value in our world. And I guess, you know, as we draw this conversation to a close, I'm, I'm curious, like, if you have anything to say about, like, how you see as somebody who's like, you know, very much in, in the trenches building these tools, like, how do you see uh, this unfolding? Like, what, what what's the trajectory? What's the, the kind of future that you imagine is is actually quite possible based on what you're seeing yeah so i think that um one, one thing that i that's that's been kind of circling around in my, in my mind is like you know what when when native does have you know ten thousand communities all functioning on it you know what does what does um what does wealth look like and what is the form of that wealth and how is it stored and why is it stored that way and you know, when I, 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 I kind of foresee a, a, a situation where everybody has a, almost like a portfolio of the different uh, communities, projects, um, things that they're interested in, um, where they've, let's say you have 100% of, of your total value to allocate into whatever form you want. Let's say each person has... 5% of their, of their value uh, distributed across 20 different communities. So your portfolio of how you store your money and why you store your money or your value or your energy or whatever we want to call it um, 
is basically uh, directly put into those communities, which which powers them more effectively. So your portfolio or one's portfolio of, of all the tokens that they hold is kind of a makeup of the person itself, kind of going back to that identity is the new money. This is that, that fullest expression mm. of that. I here I use the, uh, um, you know, I, I'm, I like earth guardians cause I'm passionate about climate change. So I have 5% in that I have 5% in Dolo. I have 5% in the, you know, hiking community, etc. So over time you can really just build that portfolio and have all of the value being utilized by the communities and which ultimately I think, um, you know, cycles back to providing a true sense of, uh, satisfaction that money and success is supposed to bring, but in today's structure generally does not, you know, the amount of people that I know personally who, have, you know, they've done it. They've done what you're supposed to do, got the job, done the whole thing, made a bunch of money. Um, the, the, the level of satisfaction and or happiness is not from what I see. And, you know, by no means speaking for everyone, but does not necessarily sync up with the amount of work and energy that is put into getting to that place. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the form of the money and how it's not actually being distributed to the places that the people who have earned it care about and therefore doesn't lead to that sort of gratification that money and value should lead to. Yeah. Awesome. And and, I mean, that's a beautiful vision. And I think it's one of the things that simply needs to change for our culture to kind of, survive this transition into a different world. And so it's, it's, uh, wonderful to speak with you, Jake, as you, as you, and congratulations on the launch. Um, you know, I, I look forward very much to seeing how it unfolds and, and to, uh, uh, hearing what you learn, because as you say, like this, this is kind of an experiment. Like we really, humans don't know yet what happens when you launch a kind of uh, a DIY economic architecture <laughs> system for communities. Like this is, <laughs> this is new shit. Like it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting. I think if, if you see the the meaningfulness of what it is that you're doing, which you, I think you've done a very good job of, of articulating for us. And so I appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on and, and share what it is that you're building. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, privilege to speak with you uh you know during these early stages and maybe we can come back on uh in a year and see where we're at absolutely right on man all right thank you david 